Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Welcome back to another episode of the Blitz Podcast. Um, not just another episode, but actually almost like the quarter mark, believe it or not. Yes, that is right. We're hitting our stride right now in the NFL fantasy football season. And of course, I can't do it without my co-host, Harley Schultz. Harley, how are you doing? Well, you know, uh, everything's going pretty good for me here. I did bang up my finger a little bit this weekend, but otherwise, you know, it's it's the quarter mark in the uh, proverbial lengthy race around the track and uh I, I i've always been thought of as more of a uh a length horse rather than a speed horse so i think if i'm going to succeed this week i'm just basically setting myself up to succeed more as we get closer to the final stretch so what you're saying is you're just pacing yourself to get to the finish line at some point that and also i'm overweight and can't run that fast anymore yeah there you go i feel you man i feel you trust me so um it's going into week four. What we know, we know. What we don't know, we don't know. Still feels like it's crazy. Still can't believe we're a quarter of the way. Yeah, they go and they add an extra game, really screw us up. So we're not really quite a quarter of the way through the season, but we're a quarter of the way through the season because week 17 is useless for the most part now, right? So we get 16 full games um, if we're lucky. In any event. Well, and we also get our first dose of uh, games in Great Britain uh, this week. Yes. I know, I know you love those early starts on. Uh, on Sunday morning. I am not a morning person. And even if I were a morning person, I still would not like 9 a.m. football games. Just not <laughs> happening. Come on. Well, I mean, you, you, we talk about when teams travel from the West Coast to the East Coast to play an early game. Yeah. I, that kind of throws them off. Well, at least when they're traveling to uh, play in London, they leave a few days early. So they can marginally set their clocks back. But uh it's, it's still got to be a huge just gasser for, for the players in general. I mean, it's probably not as big of an impact as the Thursday night games following like a following a Sunday night game or a Sunday even afternoon game. But uh, it's still it, – it, it can't be good for their circadian rhythms within their bodies. Yeah, they're fine-tuned athletes. They'll just have to figure <laughs> out a way to get by. Um, that leads me to, you know, what we'll talk about this week – um, of course, we're going to have our DFS segment, like always, right? Our PSVs, pay-ups, stay-aways, and value plays. And I think we're going to do a segment on whether we need to shake it up or shake it off. So I guess it's going to be about, you know, are you a Cars person or are you a Taylor Swift person um, with where you are with your lineups? Well, and uh, I'm sure there's a few players on both of our rosters that we both agree maybe we're never going to get back together with. <laughs> yeah, that's not a problem. We definitely can say that. Um, there's a lot that we could talk about. However, 
Um, speaking of Taylor Swift, and I know I've got DeAndre Swift in at least one league. I'm sure a lot of other people do. I'm not sure. He probably might make the news, and if not, then we'll talk about him after the news. But that means before that happens, of course, I've got to throw it over to Harley for this week's Blitz Podcast News. Thank you, Steve. Rob Gronkowski is already fueling rumors that he may be ready to unretire yet again after he was spotted at the Packers-Buccaneers game on Sunday. If he is going to return, we all have to hope that his mom can find his game pants again and that he hasn't grown out of them by eating all of those Subway sandwiches. <laughs> Coach Dan Campbell suggested that DeAndre Swift could benefit from missing some time over the next couple of weeks as he recovers from an ankle and shoulder injury. You know, that's funny, Dan. Swift's fantasy owners think that he could benefit by you not pulling him in the red zone every game. <laughs> Both Delvin Cook and David Montgomery left their respective games with injuries last week. Fortunately, it sounds like both will be able to go for week four. As an owner of both of them in the Scott Fish Bowl, I would like to go on the official record with the following quote. Whew. <laughs> Mac Jones will miss the next few games with a high ankle sprain. With this news, we can now finally fully recommend going out and using your waiver dollars to purchase Patriots skill position players. <laughs> and finally, the NFL announced today that they have replaced the Pro Bowl with a flag football game. So, in other words, nothing has changed. <laughs> this has been your BPN News Update. All right, that was a good one. So, uh, you know what? I didn't cut. I just kept going along, kept plodding along. Um, you're sitting here talking about, you know, setting the pace, and I got horse racing on my mind, and I said our the Blitz podcast news, which I guess is kind of fitting maybe. I don't know. Um, Hey, something I didn't mention earlier, speaking of plotting, which makes me think of horses, which makes me think of animals. Tank is making picks this year. You know that, right? Yeah. He is 8-5 and five after the games yesterday, going into the Monday night game. He has, I believe, the Giants tonight. Ooh. Yeah. That, that's always a risky play. Although, I mean, Dallas is still playing with Cooper Rush at quarterback, so there's a chance. Uh, and, and again, who would have thought at this point in the season that the Giants would be undefeated? Yeah, that's true. The, the Giants didn't think that. Um, he was actually he had a bad Sunday. He was seven and three going into yesterday. Um, he unfortunately went with the um, Washington Commanders, and he also had, I believe, he had the Buffalo Bills. So those. I, I can understand uh, the Buffalo Bills. Obviously, they they were definitely favored and. Uh, a few interesting calls went against them and th things just didn't work out for them in that game. But I mean, Washington choosing them to beat Philadelphia, that, that was a really, uh, a, a, a stretch of a pick there for tank. Yeah. You know what? It was in Washington. And listen, here's the deal for people. They're probably thinking, Oh, he, Steve sets it up. So he gets on the pick who he wants. I don't, I don't let him see me when I put the treats behind the helmets. Okay. If anybody's seen it on Twitter, they can, they see that he, I've got him sitting and then I let him go and he goes and he, the first treat he eats behind the helmet, that's the team he picks. Well, he actually went to the Eagles helmet. And then he said, net, and he went over and ate the Washington one and then went back and ate the, the Eagles um, treat. So yeah, he had a chance and he just went the wrong way. I don't know. Um, in any event, I'm curious to see how he makes out for the year. That's for sure. 
Well, uh, considering the lack of success some of us have had, he might actually finish with more wins than others of us. I know that the huddle.com has a weekly uh, segment uh, on their site where we pick the winners uh, both uh, on the money line and against the spreads. So listeners that uh, may not have visited that particular article, I think it comes out typically on Thursday mornings. You can see who we predict for each game each week. And uh, you can kind of compare those numbers against those of tanks and let's see who does best by the end of the year. So I'm having a stellar year, by the way. I I do my picks um, against the spread going into this week. I'm 20 and 13, and I believe that I've got yep the most wins amongst all the huddlers. And then against the money line, I am I have 22 wins and 10 losses. I'm leading there also. Um, but my wife is in a in an office pool, and she's actually leading her in her pool also. Um, she has. She had 21 wins after two weeks, and now she's got nine this week. If she gets, I think she's on the Giants tonight also. So she's at 30 wins. She'll definitely be in first place after three weeks still too. So it's a, we, we should bet more in this household, I guess. <laughs> well, you, you can from where you're at. Uh, here in Minnesota, we still can't do the, uh, the full-on internet sports betting, but fortunately – uh, the state of Wisconsin and the state of Iowa are both 45-minute uh, drives from the Twin Cities here. So uh, if we want to make any bets that aren't uh, offshore, we can do those still uh, by making a short drive. But obviously, uh, I don't have to do that for Daily Fantasy because Daily Fantasy is legal here in Minnesota, which uh, uh, for the states that don't have that yet, boo hiss, boo hiss. Just get your act together and legalize it. That's right. Legalize it like everything else you can make money off of. Just do it. Okay, so... Let's get into our first segment, and it would have been a good segue to get into DFS, but we're going to wait, uh, make people wait for the best, I guess. Um, let's talk about shake it up or shake it off. What do, we, what do we mean by shake it up or shake it off? Well, let's put it this way. Let's, uh, let's say this is the third week here. This is going to be the fourth week coming up. What, what are you supposed to do if you're in your redraft leagues and you start the season 0-3? Or based on the matchup coming up, it looks like you might finish 0-4 or at best 1-3 coming out of week four. What can you do at this point or what should you do at this point to better your chances? Again, assuming this is a redraft format and not uh, prepping to make trades to help yourself from a dynasty standpoint, which we will talk about later this season. But if you're if you're sitting at that one in three mark or on four mark after this week or even just on three or one and two at this point, what are some moves that you can make to better your chances this season? So I think the first thing you have to do, and I think you have to look at it no matter what your record. So you're 3-0, and you're 2-1, you're 1-2, or you're 0-3. I think you have to look at it and assess them on, on all sides, quite honestly, because you could be 3-0 and with smoke and mirrors, just happen to get good matchups, right? And, and if 100% you, totally true. And if you look at it and you go, wow, I really am lucky to be 3-0. and I should be 1-3 and or 0-3 and possibly. You know, I, I just really pulled each one out, and I got lucky who I pulled as my draw then you may need to make the same types of moves for somebody's 0-3 versus maybe that 0-3 team, they're the second highest scoring team every week, and they just pulled a bad draw. So you have to look at that from a contextual standpoint, I think. Um, but for the most part, you probably are what your record says you are, right? Yeah, and obviously underperforming and injuries have played a small, a small role this year. I feel like it hasn't been as big of a role. Now, most of the time we, we say... <laughs> Most of the time we talk about how there's like, oh, there's so many injuries. Oh, this is like the worst injury year ever. We just keep looking around. It's like the ghosts of injuries past come and hit us. 
And it, I mean, this year just really doesn't seem like there's been that much. And obviously, yeah, we got thank you. Everybody, minor things this week, but everybody, you can send your emails to Harley at <laughs> he ruined it for everybody dot com next week. Um, man, you're just really just pushing it, aren't you? Well, but again, the the big thing that we have to take away from that is that there are a lot of underperformers this year. And I think that is a yes. crucial element in this. Again, it, my, my team is Scott Fishbowl. I, I went, I, I took the element of heavy running back to a whole nother level, drafting running backs in each of the first four rounds. while everyone else was picking quarterback number 20 by round four. Uh, I didn't, I waited until round 10 to get my first quarterback. And it was Carson Wentz who uh, for the first two weeks, at least was, was very, very good. And uh, obviously this past week he struggled some, but uh, I, I put together a decent enough stable behind him. Guys like Geno Smith and Jacoby Brissett who have been adequate second, uh, second guys for me so far. But again, it's like if, if you went heavy running back early this year, even if you just had a first round running back in general, most of those first round running backs have really underperformed. And again, I mean, if, if you were fortunate enough, you, you got Cooper cup, uh, Jamar Chase, maybe in the first round, you, you're probably feeling a little bit better. Justin Jefferson had a huge week one, but he's been kind of quiet the last two weeks. Yeah. So in general, the first round players have underperformed, but they've kind of underperformed across the table. Yeah, um, I'm one of those Justin Jefferson guys in, in Scott Fishbowl. I, man, I shouldn't even say this, barring a stat change or negative plays by Noah Brown tonight, I'll go to 3-0. and I'm currently at 168.10 to 166.40. And that was with having a Justin Jefferson in my lineup, a Miles Sanders in my lineup, a Sky Moore in my lineup who got me negative oh. points, and a Darren Waller who got – so all those guys scored under seven points. Um, but I got a good matchup, and I'm 3-0 and um, more than likely. I benched Justin Fields. Smart play. I got lucky. I benched Jacoby Brissett. I probably shouldn't have. However, I played Hertz and Geno Smith, and Geno outscored – set by a couple points. So I got lucky on some of my plays. James Robinson's coming through big for me. Um, Christian Kirk, we talked about him last week. Devontae Smith had a monster week. David Njoku, who you know I've, I've loved and liked, you know, preseason. So it just sometimes the matchups work for you and sometimes they don't. Um, there's some other leagues I'm in that are a little bit, you know, thin. But anyway, um, what I will say is there's some leagues where I have guys like um, DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller. Um, I don't have any OBJ, but I could I, I considered him late in some drafts. If you're zero and three, one and three, or you know you should be, you're probably best to look at ditching those guys to get some upside on your roster. Yeah, it's I mean in the cases of Odell Beckham, we've heard all season that he could sign at any given point, but if you look at the medical recommendations for him based on when he was injured, the originally uh, they were saying he'd probably be out until late October, early November. Now, obviously, o Odell Beckham is not your standard human being, so he probably will be ready before then. But again, you're, you're still waiting. And then once, let, let's say once he does sign, he's probably going to need a week or two to get comfortable with the offense he signs with, short of returning to the uh, Giants or returning to the Rams. But uh, yeah, it's, it's tough to call. And with Hopkins, obviously, it's kind of the same thing. He's suspended. So he can't even go to team meetings and stuff until week six. Uh, so you're, you're sitting on him for another couple weeks with with no return whatsoever. Uh, Michael Gallup was supposed to come back for tonight's game, and 
they made a decision uh, mid-afternoon here to not have him play this week. So, again, if you drafted Michael Gallup as a potential sneaky wide receiver three, a guy that might slide a couple of weeks and then get him in there, well, he's still not playing yet either. So these guys, I mean, you, you drafted them thinking that you were going to start the season really hot and you'd, you'd ride into their return and that'd just be a boost for your offense. Well, well, slap upside the head. Here you are, 0-3, 1-2. You still have those guys on your team and you're still waiting for them. You really have to consider at this point thinking, okay, I need a win this week. I'm going to trade one of those guys to a team that uh, that's probably overperformed to start the season and maybe get some guys who can definitely help you win this week just to get you over that hump. Again, I'm not, I'm not saying sell, selling them for pennies because you, right. you don't want to sell them for nothing. But just remember, I mean, if you don't get the win this week and you're staring down the barrel of 0-4 after this week, it's going to be hard to turn that around. I would say if you're 1-3, you could probably try to sell and, and not get pennies on the dollar. If you're 0-3, you probably can look at actually dropping them if you have to, if there's somebody on your waiver wire that's worth attacking. Um, another part of Shake It Up is, let's say you have a James Robinson or a Saquon Barkley or a, a Josh Allen or a Lamar Jackson, um, maybe even a David Njoku while he's you know hot or something like that. You can also look at trying to flip those guys. It's, look, they've got value, they deserve the value, and that's how you can help to you take back a slightly lesser running back to, to help bridge some need at wide receiver or something like that. That's the shake it up. They're the hard ones to do, but sometimes that's what you have to do. Yeah, and again, it's never too early to start looking at strength of schedule, particularly from the playoff time. If you have started three and zero, or if you are projected to start four and zero, you can start looking at those playoff weeks and say to yourself, "Well, okay, so and so is on a bye week fourteen, or so and so is uh, running back is facing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in week fifteen. Uh, is this something where I want to get away from this particular matchup?" and maybe look to turn that player for a comparable or upon a, a, a paper, maybe a, a downgrade at that position, but to get you a better matchup down that string. And again, if, for listeners who are going to the huddle.com, they do have a rest of season schedule feature that uh, typically starts, I believe, around week five or week six uh, out there. So the other thing is, talk about shake it, shake it off. If you're a Justin Jefferson owner and you're one in three, you're probably like you know regretting that you went running get went wide receiver early with him or something, right? I think that's. Where well, I don't think I don't think anyone that went wide receiver early is really sweating it too much this year right now, based on how the running backs have performed. But yeah, true. Yeah, again, I mean Jefferson's had a couple of down weeks, but it really hasn't been his fault. Right. Uh, in his case here, they're they're learning a new offense. It's a more rhythm based offense, and th- there's a certain degree of comfort level with Kirk Cousins as far as getting that rhythm down because. Kirk Cousins has always been more of a the receiver gets himself to his position and then he throws it, whereas uh, Kevin O'Connell's offense and, and the uh, Sean McVay offense tree in general has been more about timing-based, where it's like uh, Cousins will drop back and he's throwing the ball to a location and the wide receiver is supposed to be at that location yeah. based on X number of counts. And again, that's that's a game that certainly Justin Jefferson's capable of doing, but over the last two weeks, he's been locked down, first by Philadelphia, uh, who used uh, Darius Slay predominantly to shadow him, and then this past week with Jeff Okuda, who's developing into quite a shutdown corner in his own right for Detroit. Yeah, So, but the key is, if you're 1-3 with a guy like Justin Jefferson, you can shake that off. You know he's going, he's going to perform. 
Yes, definitely. Like, he's a guy that you can safely count on for eight to ten catches, over 100 yards, and a touchdown a week. And that that's going to be his averages by the end of the season. Guys like that, Travis Kelsey, uh, well, guys like uh, the other first-round running backs who have struggled so far this year, uh, Christian McCaffrey, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, these guys, you know they're going to be consistent by the end of the year. So if, if you've got them on your roster and you've started slowly, those are the guys you can kind of shake it off to because uh, you don't have to worry too much about them getting theirs in time. So speaking of Christian McCaffrey, I'm going to segue a little bit because I don't know that it fits into the shake it up or shake it off category, but everybody wants to call Baker Mayfield the wide receiver killer. He killed OBJ and now he's killing um, DJ Moore. But what the hell? He turned Christian McCaffrey into Nick Chubb. It's uh, ridiculous, actually. And, and I think one thing that we've noticed from watching Baker Mayfield during his uh, early season's development, uh, first with the Browns and obviously now with Carolina, is that he likes to maneuver around in the pocket a lot. He likes to uh, bootleg out uh, to his right a lot. And what ends up happening is McCaffrey, uh, in the previous uh, regimes would catch a short pass uh, right away. Like, basically, he would line up, he'd do like a quick run to the right, quick run to the left, and then throw directly to him. Uh, he didn't really have a lot of set-up passes for McCaffrey. It was more like just get the ball to him and let him do his thing. Uh, Baker takes so much time running around in the backfield trying to get stuff going that by the time he finally ends up uh, having a play take effect, either with him running out of the backfield or throwing the ball McCaffrey's kind of like done his route and he's gone into a secondary route. <laughs> he's just not getting the attention. And again, I think that's mainly because Baker is more active in the backfield. I mean, this year, McCaffrey has 57 receiving yards through three games. Last year, he played in, what was it, six games? Yeah, he played in six games. He eclipsed 57 yards four times. And the fifth, he had 54 yards. So it's like, and he had over, he's got 10 total receptions right now. He had not, 7, 9, and 10 in three, three games of the six last year. Yeah, it's, I'm a little concerned about Christian because, well, you know, and, his and the upside biggest thing is, is he's, he's not even getting the targets. Right. Yeah. No, I didn't even talk about that. My goodness. Um, yeah, he would, what, he had 41 targets in six games he had, basically. Um, so you do the math there over six a game. This year he's looking at what um, he's got fourteen targets um, and ten receptions. So yeah, it's horrible, um, and that's where the upside comes from. That's why people were taking one 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 overall ahead of Jonathan Taylor at times because you get that one point five running back due to the receiving ability of him. Um, in any event, I think you probably shake it off with McCaffrey if you're an owner of him. Also, I do think that they have to wind up straightening up, and they know that he's one of the biggest weapons that they have. And I also think DJ Moore will be fine too. I wouldn't mind targeting more if you needed wide receiver three help. You probably get him a little bit cheaper than what you should at this point. Well, and again, in the case of Moore, you can, you can go to the owner and say, Hey, look, this is DJ Moore. He's now had three different quarterbacks. He's always been in the same situation. He'll go, he'll catch five passes, maybe 60 yards. And he never scores. You go and tell him that they'll probably sell him to you for the price of a wide receiver three. And officially DJ Moore always finishes every single season just outside wide receiver one stats. So he's always a high-end wide receiver two by the end of the year. But his numbers always look so pedestrian on paper that it seems like he's not doing that well. Yeah. Um, 
By the way, tonight's game, I know Dallas is on the doorstep. 42 is the number we need to see in points scored. 42 or more points. That's what my wife needs to cash out in her pool. I don't like those odds. Yeah, I know, right? Um, yeah, this looks like an under game here. Maybe we need a mid multiplier for it or something like that, right? Um, exactly. In any event, um, talking about multipliers and, and scoring, we might as well just go ahead and transition over to our DFS time frame. What do you think? Sounds good to me. All right, payups, stayaways, and value plays. PSVs with Harley and Steve. Um, for those of you that don't know, Harley and I do not discuss any of this in advance. Harley's going to set an over-under, and we'll see, and I'll, I'll guess if we're going to hit it one way or the other. So go ahead, Harley. Where are we at this week? I'm going to go with five this week, and my reasoning being is that there's two fewer teams playing in the main slate thanks to the uh, Jackson, thanks to the Jacksonville, <laughs> thanks to the London game between the uh, Vikings and the Saints. So there's a little bit fewer players to choose from this week. And also, there's really there's some low ball games. There's some dog games coming up this week. So I think that we're going to have some pretty easy matches. I got to take the under. I hated, once I got to wide receiver, especially tight end, I hated the choices. Um, <laughs> I'm going to take the under. Okay. And I'll put it this way. I'm going to still feel comfortable, even if we start off 3-0 and at quarterback. But go ahead and tell me, who are you paying up for a quarterback? I'm going to pay up for the most expensive guy on the board, Josh Allen. Baltimore is absolutely rotten against the pass. They've allowed 168 more passing yards than the next worst team through three games. Plus, you know what? Buffalo's got some pieces missing in their secondary right now, which is going to turn this into a shootout. I haven't seen the opening line yet, but if it's any, if the opening line is anything under 80, I'll bet the over. Yeah, there you go. So we don't have a match. I did look at Josh Allen. Um, but I like somebody in his range a little better. And you know me, if I'm going to pay up and can save a few dollars, I will do so. Um, and it's not Lamar Jackson who's got like back-to-back 40-point fantasy games. Um, it's actually Jalen Hurts at home against Jacksonville. Um, that offense is clicking, and it's a home game. And, you know, they got Doug Peterson coming back from, you know, he's the guy that brought them their first Super Bowl. I just think that the the atmosphere there and and the way that you got Devontae Smith is clicking, they got Goddard involved, you got A.J. Brown, you know they can run the ball, and you know Hurts can run the ball. I'm going to pay up for Jalen Hurts. Um, I did think if I was going to pay up higher, it was Allen I was going to buy instead of Lamar, though. Yeah, the, I think for me the decision was that their prices weren't that far different. If, if it was a $600 savings or a $700 savings, I might have done it, but I mean, they're only $200 apart on DraftKings, only $300 yeah. apart on FanDuel. I, I also have to admit, I was somewhat impressed with how Jacksonville's defense has looked so far this year. And again, I'm not saying that Jacksonville's defense is going to stop the Philadelphia offensive machine this week. I think that Philadelphia still does well. But I think that they could cause some fits for Jacksonville, especially with that pass rush. So you know what? Would cause some fits for Jalen with that yeah, pass rush. They could. Uh, Carson Wentz played pretty well against them in week one, though. Um, and that was on the road for Jacksonville. So you know me, the tiebreaker, when I really, I'm torn and don't know who to go with, I'm usually going to go with the, the quarterback that's playing at home. Allen is on the road, coming off a tough loss. That's what I like. Um, but with Hurts being at home, that was the tiebreaker for me. One thing I did not address in the Buffalo at Baltimore game, and again, this is still early in the week. We're recording on Monday. Uh, we don't know what, if any, effect Hurricane Ian will have on East Coast games this week. I know that they have already talked about the, uh, plans if they have to move the Kansas City-Tampa Bay game. And again, we don't know if Ian's going to get that far north or not, but if it does 
uh, could be issues there. They might have to look at moving that game possibly. And, and or if there are weather conditions in that game, it could affect the passing offenses of both Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. Yeah, um, I, I'm not sure. I think you remember. I was on the radio down in Tampa for quite some time, so I've got a lot of mm-hmm. Twitter followers from the Tampa area. So my my thoughts and my prayers and all go out to all my followers down in that Tampa slash Florida area. Um, yeah, they're supposed to get. They're like them, and I think it's um Sarasota or them and. Um, Fort Myers look like they're in the the red zone of where they could really get hammered. Even if it's not winds, there's going to be a lot of um, storm surge. So let's hope that it doesn't work out that way. Definitely. So who are you staying away from? Well, I think this one was pretty easy. I'm going to stay away from Kyler Murray for the second week in a row, by the way. Uh, A West Coast team that has to travel east and take on a solid pass defense. Not a great pass defense, but a solid pass defense in Carolina. That doesn't really uh, give me a lot of trust for for Murray here. You know, Winston he got a few yards against them last week, but no quarterback has thrown for more than one touchdown against Carolina so far this year. So we we have a match. I, I wound up going with Kyler Murray, but I want to say that I had Lamar Jackson written down first, and people are probably like, "Why?" Well, because <laughs> I feel like you can pay up for Hurts or Allen if you want to, right? The fact that Buffalo is coming off that loss, and I know they lost quite a few defensive players, so that's the other thing that made me go, no, I'm not going to stay away from Lamar Jackson. I just, they, they have a penchant that they could turn it up defensively, and I just for some reason feel like that they could make Lamar struggle. Um, but I, at the end of the day, everything that you said about Kyler Murray made him a much easier stay away than Lamar Jackson. I have to say this. Uh, the, the pure football fan in me, is so looking forward to watching Von Miller chase Lamar Jackson around the field next week. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So value play wise, my God, I had a hard time with this. This is where it's hard uh, to go south. De- definitely a hard time on this one here. Uh, I went down near the bottom of the pricing structure. I went with a guy that I actually used uh, in a few lineups this week for success. Uh, that's Geno Smith there at Detroit. I don't love the fact that it's on the road, but it's in Detroit and is obviously not going to have any weather conditions there. Uh, Detroit has, as I mentioned earlier, one shutdown quarterback in, uh, in Jeff Okuda. The rest of their pass defense though can really be picked on as Minnesota showed this past week that while they're shutting down Justin Jefferson, uh, Adam Thielen and KJ Osborne both had good games and, uh, Irv Smith, the tight end actually would have had a good game, but he dropped like six passes. So, <laughs> I'm going with Geno Smith. Geno is actually seventh in the league in completions right now. That's kind of absurd to me. He's just completed a lot of passes. Although the problem is those passes have all been really short because he's only accounted for the 20th most passing yards. So yeah. <laughs> uh, if your league rewards completions, uh, like the Scott Fishbowl does, he obviously has a little bit more value there than he does in DFS from that standpoint. But again, you're, you're paying 5400 for him. Both sites have finally... Uh, up their uh, up their axiom so that they can get figuring proper prices to some of these mid-tier guys that we've been using as value plays up until this point. Guys like Wentz and Goff and Carr. Uh, even Trevor Lawrence's price now is up uh, close to 6000 on DraftKings and, and the mid-7s on FanDuel, which, again, these guys were all pressed, uh, pressed were all priced in the low 5s, low 6s up until this week, so you could really take advantage of that now that the prices have updated, you, you kind of got to dig a little deeper for the value. Yeah, and you know what? You know something's up in Seattle when Tyler Lockett has nine catches but only total 76 yards. 
I was going to say, he's had games where he has had one catch for 76 yards. Yeah, I was going to say, nine catches, Tyler Lockett, you're thinking, oh, he's got to have a buck 60 or so, right? Exactly. And, and two touchdowns or three and, you know, whatever. Um, so I went bottom, bottom of the bowl, scraping the, the stuff off of my shoe. <laughs> I went with Davis Mills at home. Um, and I like I like the Geno Smith play, by the way. I had Geno in an actual redraft lineup this past weekend. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I just – maybe it's my me being blinded by I expected Davis to have a solid season, solid-to-plus season this week, this year. Um, I believe that you, you saw Damian Pierce start to run the ball well this past weekend. Um, Brandon Cooks is due for a breakout, um, hopefully. At 5,000 – and 6,400, 6,400, I don't love the 5,000. He's going to give you some options. Nobody's going to be on him at all. Um, if the Chargers struggle, and maybe it's a lower scoring game, but if the Chargers can put some points up, then you know he's at least going to have some garbage time. There's just, I don't know. I, I was shocked to see him priced below Mitch Trubisky, Brian Hoyer, Zach Wilson, Baker Mayfield, Mac Jones, Justin Fields. Justin Fields, who, by the way, has like 14 completions on the entire freaking year, I think. I mean, let's put it this way. At this point, I am shocked that DraftKings hasn't gone full Chris Davis on Justin Fields and priced him at like $900 and like tried to like convince people to play him just based on price. I mean, they, they did that hy- hysterically with, with Chris Davis a few years ago when he was in that stretch of like 0 for 60. Yeah. So I, I'm waiting for the moment when they finally do that to Justin Fields' price tag, but it hasn't happened yet. Davis Mills at 5000 is a serious serious misprint this week. For some reason, his numbers didn't get changed. I, I think maybe the algorithm thought they were actually repricing Dave, uh, Davis, uh, was it Woods or Wells? Is the other yeah. <laughs> Davis Webb. Davis Webb is the other Davis that's quarterback. So the other thing, I, I tweeted out yesterday, through three games, I think the number was 23. Justin Fields has 23 completions. There were like, I don't know, somewhere around 8, 10 quarterbacks yesterday that had more than 23 completions in their week three game. That's yeah, and again, we can, you can kind of throw out that first game because hey, of the wicked, wet, wicked yeah. weather in Chicago, but there's no excuse for the last two games. Hey, you know what? And they're two and one tied for first in their, in their division. They're a prime example of the whole shake it up or shake it off. If that's your team in fantasy, you're not really two and one. You need to shake it up. Exactly. All right. We got one match through the quarterback position. Let's head on over to the running back spot and start us off with who you're paying up for at running back. You know, I'm going to pay up for the highest priced guy. Once again, that's Jonathan Taylor versus Tennessee. I never thought I would stay, uh, live to see the day where Taylor was 8,800 on DraftKings and less on FanDuel, 8,700 on FanDuel. Oh my God, that's, a, that's screaming. You've got to play him there. Tennessee is allowing just under 150 combo yards a game to opposing running backs. And they're allowing a full touchdown per game to opposing running backs. So, you know what? It, this has got to be the week Taylor finally breaks through. So we have a match um, for all those reasons. Yeah, his price, <coughs> he took a double take at it. And they're at home. Yeah, they got a win, a good win against Kansas City that they probably shouldn't have got. Um, <laughs> it just, yeah, I think that we see they continue to feed him this week. So I like him. Who are you staying away from? I'm going to stay away from Derrick Henry in that same game. I, I don't particularly hate Henry here, and I know Henry's had success historically against Indianapolis, but Indy's 
for this season is only giving up two and a half yards per carry. Yeah. And that's uh, that's kind of concerning. Whereas I mean, Henry, if if the general league is getting two and a half yards per carry, he'll probably get three and a half yards per carry against them. But that still means he's going to have to carry the ball 30 times to reach 100 yards. Yes. And, and on top of that, he's going to have to continue catching a lot of passes like he did this past weekend, which was kind of shocking. Um, that was nice, actually. <laughs> yeah. So for what it's worth, he's not who I'm staying away from, but I don't disagree with you. I'm actually staying away from Christian Baker Mayfield killed my fantasy value McCaffrey because at 87 and 8,800, I need to have that receiving ability. Like I'd rather pay up for Derrick Henry knowing that maybe he'll get five more catches and then you're happy. But five catches for Christian McCaffrey doesn't cut it. Um, not in DFS. So I'm not saying it's a horrible matchup. But until we see that, you know, reception upside, I'm steering clear at the price he's at. Exactly. I, I think the value play is pretty easy this week. We talked a little bit in the news about how uh, the coaching staff is talking about holding out DeAndre Swift, assuming that that is indeed the case. Jamal Williams versus Seattle has to be the value play this week. Only one team is allowing more than the 170 combo yards per game that Seattle is giving up to opposing running backs. You know what? Uh, if Swift's out, yes, we'll see maybe a few touches for Craig Reynolds, but 95% of the carries and touches are going to go to Williams this week if Swift is out. and uh, he, He's done good against much, much more tougher defenses already this year. I believe he has four total touchdowns on the season already. Um, go find a ton of combos of like six or seven different players and you'll be hard pressed to get four total touchdowns with them. And Jamal has more. I don't hate the play at all. Actually, it's a very strong play, but I went cheaper. Um, I don't have as much upside. There's no doubt. I don't have as much upside, um, but I went with JD McKissick and the thought was, if you look at the week he had this week against the, the Philadelphia Eagles, who logged nine, not seven, not eight, but nine quarterback sacks, okay? Mm -hmm. Dallas and Micah Parsons can bring it better than just about anybody in the league. So I think Dallas is also going to have that game plan wrecked to where they've got to do a lot of dump offs to McKissick and Curtis Samuel. So I think McKissick is a safe value play not a lot of upside you're probably getting 12 to 15 points from him right around that three times mark um if he gets paid dirt, that's all gravy um but that's why i picked this my value play this week and i actually do kind of like that too uh one thing to look out for though uh is that in the case of this past week against philadelphia the passing offense pretty much had to go through mckissick and also curtis samuel because uh, James Bradbury and Darius Slay had shut down both their outside receivers, Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin. Although McLaurin did end up with a decent final line for the day. But uh, I was actually a little more surprised that Logan Thomas didn't do more in that game. Yeah. Uh, again, the one thing, Philadelphia, you can beat Philadelphia underneath uh, against their linebacking core. And so uh, if McKissick gets that same sort of opportunity against Dallas, I don't know if it's going to be necessary quite as necessary as it was last week, but I do think he's still going to have a decent line. Yeah. Like I said, he's a, he's one of those safe value plays, not a lot of upside, but he's not going to shut you out. Um, all right. So we've got two matches through two positions. Um, let's head on over to the wide receiver spot. 
and see what we can do here. You'll notice a trend. I'm paying up for the most expensive wide receiver, and that is Stephon Diggs at Baltimore. We've already talked a little bit about how I think that game is going to be huge scoring. And here's the thing. Over the last two weeks, Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddell, and Devontae Parker have combined to post this line. 27 catches, 517 yards, and four touchdowns against this defense. These guys are not good. They're not good at all. <laughs> Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs are just licking their chops at what they're going to do. I'm pretty sure what they're going to do to Baltimore's secondary is felonious in 48 of the 50 contiguous United States. Yeah, I was going to say, so we matched there. I picked Diggs also. That, that average of 517 is over 170 yards per game. So, <laughs> yeah, I think Diggs eats this weekend um, in a big way. Um, there's, Like I said, they've already given up three 150-plus yard games to three different receivers. So, um Diggs fits right in with those profiles, too. So he's As far as stay away goes, uh, I thought about doing the obvious pick, which was the next highest-priced guy, Devontae Adams, based on his usage. It's kind of been a little weird the last couple of weeks and going up against Denver and Patrick Sertain Jr. But I decided to not take that, that, that route here. Instead, I went down the pricing ladder a little bit, down to the 10th-highest-priced guy on DraftKings, so not really a super high-priced guy. I mean, he's still 6600 on DraftKings. He's 7600 on FanDuel, which I believe would make him uh, sixth-highest-priced on FanDuel. So he does have that pricing differential there. Uh, I'm going to stay away from Christian Kirk this week. And here's why. You know, he's been electric all season. But as we were just talking about, that Philadelphia secondary is really, really tough. He's going to face off against either Bradbury or Slay. Probably get the sleigh ride. That's not something that you want to count on for your number one receiver. Trevor Lawrence looked great against the Chargers this past week. He's coming down to earth this week. So we almost had a match, and you would have put it up, put me up against it because I have Devontae Adams as my stay away. Um, I get the Christian Kirk thing. I honestly do. And you want to know what makes the job of Slay and Bradbury even easier is when that pass rush is getting home like it is. Man, mm-hmm. those guys are just going to be that much tougher if that pass rush in Philly can continue to, to do like they did this past week. Um, well, I'd, I'd like to say, I mean, you guys, you're a Philly fan, I believe. Uh, uh, the interior defensive tackle that they got in the draft this year. Yes. My God, what a beast he is. How did he fall that far? <laughs> yeah, he was a steal for him. Best player available, and I'm not usually about best player available. I, I like best player, but at a need. Um, yeah, that's... He was a great, jo- great Jordan player. Davis, is yes. it, I believe, right? Jordan Davis, yeah. yes. Um, from I, I was all over Jordan Davis uh, to a couple teams before him in the uh, in our mock draft season this past uh, spring. Really, oh my God! After watching him play against the Vikings uh, a couple weeks ago, that guy is going to be an absolute beast to deal with for years. Yep, he is. He's look. They've had Fletcher Cox in the middle of that defense for God knows how long, and he's nearing the end of his career. They've got a guy that's stepping right in and might have more upside. Um, in any event, I stayed away from Devonte Adams. He's he is at home, and yeah, it's like you don't know what you're going to get. It's been really up and down with that offense, and as they sit zero and three, but it's more than that. They're play they're playing a Denver team where Debo Samuel's seventy three receiving yards are the most that they've given up to any receiver this year. Outside of Debo, they haven't given up more than 58 yards to anybody. Um, Sure, 
Devontae Adams could have that much in one quarter, definitely in a half. Um, but I, I can't pay that price for a woulda, coulda, hope he does it. And along those same lines, I mean, obviously, uh, Denver's secondary is pretty good. But uh, don't, don't chase Matt Collins' points this week, particularly if Hunter Renfro is back. <laughs> yeah, no, don't do uh, I, I used Matt Collins a, as a great value play this week, and he won me a lot of money because of the fact that he was going to take over all those snaps, and I thought he would be a decent option to get access to that game without paying up for Devontae Adams. And obviously, uh, he paid off big time when Hunter Renfro was out, and yeah, don't chase those points this week. Yeah, is there anything worse than when you call a guy that you're expecting to have a big game and he goes out injured and then his backup comes in and just blows up kind of like Davis Montgomery. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say exactly. Um, I had Monty as my value play last week. And then you see what Khalil Herbert did and you're like, Oh, what could have been oh, Khalil Herbert just absolutely dominated. Uh, let's put it this way. I actually did really, really well on the early slate. I would have absolutely crushed the early slate this past week if Montgomery had gotten credit for all of the stats that Khalil Herbert got in his place. Yep. yep. All right, so who's your value play at wide receiver? Uh, you're probably going to say this guy isn't a value play, but he is my value play. I'm going to take Gabe Davis at Baltimore. You know, <laughs> Davis had a quiet first week back from injury, which should curb his ownership numbers a little bit. I think people might try to get cute and do a triple stack with Isaiah McKenzie this week, coming off a big game last week. But, you know, take advantage of that recency bias uh, and the potential low ownership and Voltron stack this game. I'm talking Josh Allen, Diggs, Davis, and run it back with Mark Andrews. So, no, I don't hate it. You know me. I like when we put little twists in there like that. Um, you know, I almost you know could have said that I was going to make Josh Allen my value play when I went with Jalen Hurts as my payup at quarterback, right? Yep. Um, so the logic behind my value play has something to do with your stay away, actually. I've got Zay Jones as my value play. He has quietly been putting up solid numbers through the first three weeks of the season. And with Christian Kirk getting locked down, I think we see Zay make some noise out of the slot this week, enough noise to make him a solid value play when he's only $4,200 on DraftKings. A little higher at 5900 on FanDuel. Um, but yeah, that's what I, I told you, I started to like, dislike this whole slate after about running back. You know what I mean? Well, I think that's the, again, that's the way to attack Philadelphia's secondaries through the slot or through guys coming out of the backfield. And certainly, uh, that is where Zay operates predominantly with Marvin Jones and Kirk on the outside. So I definitely like that strategy. And again, we did it a little bit last week. People were asking me, it's like, well, should we start Curtis Samuel? That's like. Yeah, go ahead and start Curtis Samuel. He's not going to get shattered by either of those two guys. Exactly. By the way, my eyes are hurting right now. They're bleeding. I think I'm going blind. I just looked at the TV, and I see Jason Peters in a Cowboys uniform. Yes, I know he signed there, but, oh, man, there's just some things that are sacrilegious, and that's one of them. <laughs> anyway, okay, head over to tight end. We're, we've got three matches, so you set the over at five. Um, we need to sweep it to hit the over. Well, actually, I'm sorry, two or three to, to hit your five. I need to, we need to zero out, basically, to not have to worry about it. Don't worry about my math. Well, to continue my trend, I am paying up for the highest-priced guy on the board, and that's Mark Andrews versus Buffalo. I already mentioned the fact that I like to do the massive stack in this game. And, you know, what? this game's going to be a point orgy. 
So give me the guy who was the biggest threat for scoring in Baltimore's offense. Uh, currently, Andrews leads all tight ends in every single significant offensive category. So, you know what? I mean, Buffalo, I mean, take, pick your poison here with the with the exposed defensive secondary uh, replacements. Either someone from the outside is going to have to come inside and try to cover Andrews, or they have to cover him with backup uh, interior uh, defenders, like the interior safeties. I, I don't like his chances. I mean, maybe they are able to shut down Rashad Bateman like uh, happened last week uh, with New England, but I think Andrews is still going to be in line for a 680 and two touchdown type of game this week. Well, you're a little more sure of him than I am. I actually initially wrote down no one. I didn't want to pay up for <laughs> anyone. But I defaulted to I picked a guy and I went with Mark Andrews because I'm not paying up for any of those other guys. Not happening. That is seriously the truth. Right. Who are you going to stay <laughs> away your... from? Go ahead. Uh, I'm going to stay away from Zach Ertz. Now, Carolina has allowed the second fewest targets and the second fewest receptions to the tight end position, the fourth fewest receiving yards to the position. And Ertz has certainly been involved in the offense uh, a lot during these first couple weeks here without uh, DeAndre Hopkins. But they've already been talking about getting uh, uh, it was a Trey McBride, the rookie, involved a little bit more in their offense. So I think as the season progresses, he's going to start seeing a few more snaps that might take away some of those targets from Ertz. And again, just not a great matchup on paper. I've already told you that I'm staying away from Kyler Murray. So, I mean, if I'm going to go after anyone in the Arizona offense this week, it might be Greg Dorch, whose price is still pretty low at wide receiver. Okay. Um, so we don't have a match. I don't disagree with it. I looked at it and I wrote down, I'm staying away from Tyron Waller. I'm staying away from Kyle Pitts. I'm staying <laughs> away from Zach Ertz. I wound up staying away from Waller, okay, um, simply because he's the next highest guy on the on the on the chart. It was going to be Pitts, but with Cleveland losing Anthony Walker for the season to that injury he suffered, um, I'm not sure how that's going to impact what they do and give up to, to the tight end position now. Um, so maybe Pitts winds up being a solid play. Um, more targets this week. Still didn't do as much as you would have expected with the amount of points that they put on the board, though. Um, Anyway, yeah, staying away from Waller. I guess I'm staying away from the Vegas offense in general this week. Yeah, I don't like the price tag, say, for Waller. I did kind of look at him a little bit, and when I did some more research, it sounds like Denver has been a little bit forgiving to the tight end position so far this year. But, yeah, again, the price isn't great there. It's a stretch to get three Again, times. if you're going to spend that much money, you might as well spend the extra 400 on DraftKings for Andrews. 400 1500 Oh, fourteen hundred. Misread my numbers here. That's okay. That's okay. Who is your value play at tight end? Uh, this was hard. Uh, again, a lot of the guys who I liked have started to get their prices bumped up a little bit. Uh, guys like Gerald Everett, uh, David Njoku, who we've used uh, before, uh, Tyler Conklin, who's off to a ridiculous start, but who's going to come back down to earth now that. Uh, Flacco's going to be leaving the uh, nest in a couple weeks here or within this next week. I, I went down the list. I looked at Robert Tunyon possibly against New England, uh, but I ultimately settled on a guy much cheaper, and that's Austin Hooper at Indianapolis. Uh, Indy's eighth in receptions allowed to the tight end position, sixth in yards allowed to the position. They've also given up uh, an average of one tight end touchdown per game so far. Uh, I'd like Hooper to have a 
like a 550 in one game this week. So we don't match um, the under hits. Yay me. Um, I, my value play, I thought you were going to nail him. He is a little more expensive than what we normally would put for a value play. Actually, I think he's like the fifth or sixth highest player on the board on FanDuel, um, but it's David Njoku. Um, he's going uh, to be there week in and week out, and he's got plenty of upside. Um, I do like his price much better on DraftKings than I do FanDuel. That's a $2,000 difference between the two sites there, but that just plays into the fact that FanDuel, as far as their tight ends goes, I mean, if you want to get a value on FanDuel at tight end, you have to go down to the $4,500 to $4,800 range, and that price would be the same as getting your Zach Ertz, your Dallas Goddards, and Pat Fryer moats on DraftKings. So I always recommend, uh, if, if you're going to play on FanDuel, uh, you, you might as well pay 5600 for Fryer Muth rather than 4800 for Will Disley. Yeah. <laughs> now, if you want a cheaper guy and you're not going to go Zay Jones in the Jacksonville Eagles game, you might want to look at Evan Ingram because we know that Philly has had trouble over the years at times with the tight end position. And if they're not going to eat on the outside, then there could be some room for Ingram to have one of those, you know, five for 70 in a touchdown or six for 70, 75 in a touchdown type weeks. Yeah, and the, a guy that I mean, really haven't talked about a whole lot this year that uh, makes for an interesting play, I would say this week is uh, – I can't find his name now on the list here. Uh, Janu Smith, who for whatever reason has kind of outperformed Hunter Henry so far this year. Yeah, what's up is down and what's down is up. We can thank Stranger Things for that, I guess. Exactly, the upside down. The upside down. Yes, we are in the upside down. Um, all right, that's it, my man. Good week. I don't like the the slate this week. I just don't. Um, if you're not a degenerate, that means that you don't have to play if you don't like it either, right? That's the wonders. Exactly. That's the wonders of DFS. You don't. No one's forcing you to play. Um, but we help you out in in case you do want to play. We'll try to tell you what we think you should do. Um, but at the end of the day, it's your decision. Your winnings, your losses. You don't have to send any of, us, of your winnings to us, and we're definitely not going to take any of your losses. Although we do accept it. That's true. That is true. We need to set up a GoFundMe, right? Or something like that? Exactly. Why not? A Patreon. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Or what is it? Zell. Give me Zell. Um, I saw that stupid commercial the other day. The guy's trying to give somebody cash. No. Zell me. What? <laughs> <sighs> well, that, that's better than me. I, I'm in one of my fantasy leagues this year. It's a, it's a redraft league that... I've been a part of for about 30 years now, one of my longest running leagues. It's run by a bunch of old buddy daddies that don't want to, like, they, they refuse to even look at PPR as a, as a change in stat category. Oh, God. Well, in, in that league, they refuse to take electronic payments, so they make us pay by check or cash every year. Oh, my year. God. <laughs> I, honestly, I think I write two, possibly one check a year, and that's usually to, <laughs> and that's usually to the IRS, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, wow, wow. Still get oh, you sh- shout out to John Gilbertson and Steve Matson if you're listening out there. The, Love get- you guys to death. Love the league. Been a part of it forever. I'm never going to leave, uh, even though, like I said, the rules are outdated. But, <laughs> but uh, no, you, you guys, uh, you, won't, you won't take electronic payments for stuff. It means they actually have to break out the checkbook at least once a year for that. Send them a box of pennies or something. <laughs> Give them the oil-soaked bag of pennies. Like uh, there was some news story recently about somebody paying a former employee that was disgruntled in pennies. 
Oh God, yeah. I think Kobe didn't Kobe pay off or Michael Jordan pay off a bet with like a pallet of pennies or something like that once. That sounds about right. Yeah. Well, you know what? I don't think we take pennies at the huddle um, if you want to sign up, but don't don't let that keep you from signing up. And, of course, you can follow Harley on Twitter at Nuclear Harley. You can follow me at Steve Gallo NFL. And, of course, sign up at the huddle to get all our great content we have so we can help you move towards winning a championship this year. And the weather has broken. Or it, I guess that's what you would say. It's cooler out. It's crisp out. You know what that means? It's stout time. It's all those good heavy beer times. But whatever you do, make sure that you get lifts responsibly. Cheers. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.